0: If Reality Check Radio enriches your day and life, support us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives, and dose of reality you won't get anywhere else. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate.
1: It's Wednesday. Boy, does that come around quick Wednesday morning, which means it's our legal hub again. I always enjoy this part of Wednesday morning. In fact, the week... And it's my pleasure to welcome Nick Kearney in on this morning's Legal Hub. Hi, Nick. Uh,
0: morning, Paul, and uh, morning to um, all of your listeners out there in, in New Zealand.
1: It's a smorgasbord of legal issues, or a buffet breakfast, or whatever you want to call it.
0: Well, a, a, as, you, as you say, Paul, never a dull day in the law. Never <laughs> a dull day in the law. And, and I think at this point in our history of the world, uh, even more so, I think, actually. I mean, we've got some interesting stuff to uh, to wade through today, which might get some eyes turning.
1: All the way to the end of our chat, which will involve the, the latest job description for Aussie judges. Your eyeballs are going to pop out of your head, I can tell you on that one.
0: Yeah. Right, and, and, we... and look, and, yeah. and I say that, that that they will, and if anyone is listening here in New Zealand who thinks they might make a good judge in Australia but they have no legal qualifications at all, don't worry about it. Get yeah, over it, there. Mate. Get Get over there, and if you're... Um, if you can hit the DIE, the Diversity, Inclusion, Equity and Cultural Awareness um, buttons, you're in. You're in. And if
1: you've Federal got Federal still, Federal. still got the wig in, in, in the wardrobe? <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> well, he won't, you even have, he won't even have a law degree. I think we'll, we'll discuss this later, but I think they talk yeah. about uh, appointments of judges based on merit are being reassessed.
1: Oh, crikey. I don't know if I want yeah. to hear. All right. Here's, I think, um, um, and, and it seems like just in the last week or two, Um, with what we heard from the Australian Senate, um, the uh, Senator Babette, who's got himself a, or pushed through, I think the United Australia Party, a a Senate uh, inquiry on the uh, excess mortality. So that's happened. Now we hear, uh, I heard about this yesterday, the COVID vaccine mandate for emergency services, unlawful for Queensland emergency services, according or the ruling from the Supreme court feels like I've said this before, but the dam is creaking and groaning and maybe starting to crack. What do you think?
0: A hundred percent. And it's, it's probably more than crack now. It's probably a a full avalanche of flood coming out. Mm -hmm. And I I just, you know, even last week we spoke of the other one to do with the defense force here in New Zealand. Uh, We've had customs, we've had teachers, uh, Etc. And this is, you know, we're staying here across the across the Tasman, and uh, we're going to talk about judges later across the Tasman. But yes, the Queensland Supreme Court only only a couple of days ago found that police and ambulance workers were given uh, unlawful directions to give COVID nineteen vaccines, um, and if they didn't, of course, they faced potential disciplinary action, which could include losing their job. So uh, eighty six parties um, eighty six parties joined in a lawsuit um three 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 lawsuits so three separate lawsuits including or involving 86 parties uh, against the queensland police service and the queensland ambulance service uh, relating to their directions to the workers in 2021 and 2022 to take the COVID uh, to take the COVID vaccine Uh, and the queensland supreme court has come out two days ago Uh, And so, so this is a you know they have a different structure over there in in Australia. Um, So they have obviously the federal system, then the uh, the state system, and then the federal system. So here we've got a state, the the state of uh, of Queensland. But this is the Supreme Court in Queensland, so the highest court in Queensland of the state, um, issuing its decision. Um, uh, The court found that the police commissioner Katarina Carroll failed to give proper consideration to human rights relevant to the decision to issue the vaccine mandate. Um, So that suggests to me, and I haven't read the uh, decision in detail, but that suggests to me that the application by these parties was one of judicial review uh, and therefore uh, in the police commissioner's decision-making process, you did not give due consideration to human rights, the human rights aspect, and the people's ability or the you know the workers' ability to choose their uh, health, um, um, you know, uh, medicine and health yep. decisions rather than to be forced upon them. And I, I think, was it late last year we were discussing on this show uh, another judicial review um, here in, in New Zealand where and you might have to refresh my memory here paul actually but i know we discussed it and again the um one of the ministries here was found to uh, under jud- judicial review given uh, not enough consideration to um their workers uh, you know personal choice in terms of the human rights in terms of the mandate so 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 as you as you rightly said you know the floodgates are starting to open now and if someone was keeping a tally uh, in the last year or year and a half. And I'm sure, actually, there'll be a bean counter out there or a train spotter out there who might be able to put a tally together, but they really are starting to come thick and fast now. And as a lot of people kind of, especially those in the legal fraternity, Paul, and I count, obviously, myself amongst those, at the time um, when all this was going on, I could not see how these actions were, were going to be justified legally. I just couldn't. Uh, and uh, unfortunately... At the time, you know, um, I guess the parties weren't able to get injunctions to try and stop the mandates, or maybe they tried and didn't succeed. Um, if you remember back in New Zealand, uh, we had that uh, that barrister from Wellington who used to work in the Parliament. I forget his name, um, but he um, he ap- applied to the the High Court in Wellington for a declaration. The first nine days of the yes, lockdown—that's
1: right, first, I remember first,
0: that. Yeah, yeah. First nine days of the lockdown were illegal, and the court found yes, that was the case. The first nine days of the first lockdown were were actually illegal, and the the order um, that the prime minister made to lock the country down wasn't justified under the COVID legislation or the health directions that they had written or something. So, so, so but
1: basically, we've had this is what's happened: dumb guy on the street. We've had rogue government. They uh, went rogue.
0: They, they just they just did whatever they wanted, and without due regard for due process, human rights, fundamental human rights, um, citizens, um, yeah, you know, the citizens that they're meant to be serving, I suppose. But
1: no they, they would have been advised that, though, Nick. Surely they would have been advised that.
0: Uh, well, well, they probably would have been advised that. There is an issue here in respect of Bill of Rights, human rights, in respect of mandates, because of course in our you know Bill of Rights Act it does have uh, people you know the ability for people to choose as a, as a, as a freedom and a right uh, medical treatment, and they would have been given advice that you know, potentially these orders are, um, are not a justified limitation on on that. Um, on that fundamental right but um you know I haven't seen um uh, the, the thing about it Paul is, well, I well I was about to say look I haven't seen that advice and you, we'll never see it because the advice that the crown gets from its lawyers is legally privileged you see and so um you know you, you can in, in any lawsuit you, you can't get the advice that the other parties or the lawsuit received from its lawyers. It's, it's legally privileged. Yeah, but
1: your gut wouldn't tell you that. No, you know, I know that's not the law. But if you're a politician and you're attuned to, or you're there because, you know, you're, <laughs> you're there for the people, you would know what that was, and anyone with common sense and any moral fibre would back off. They were either freaking out scared like total bedwetters, or they wanted to hurt people. I mean, so you can't I, – I can't see any other – it's sort of black and white.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a, look, I I don't have that uh, pessimistic kind of view of of politicians intentionally wanting to hurt people, but I do have uh, a reason – or, re- or
1: accepting the collateral damage, let me put yeah, it
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I, I do have a reasonably malevolent view of them um, – uh, exerting power over the citizens for the sake of making themselves feel a bit better and because they just because they can, you see, and, um, and you know, I'm in charge, I'm in power, I make the laws, we make the laws, and you're just uh, mere serfs at the bottom there and you'll do whatever we tell you to do. That's that's their attitude, and that was the attitude during COVID in terms a- and of... The the, and
1: that we're dumb. The, the way we were spoken to... I know, look, I'm being triggered here, but I'm, I'm, it's all coming back to me. They took... A lot of the, the the you know announcements and the talking to us was like the teacher talking to you like a primer on the mat. Uh,
0: exactly, and well, <laughs> you say that it's now we'll start you know coming back to you. I, I try to forget that episode or that <laughs> the yeah, that episode of this country to PTSD. be honest. Well, that's right, and I, I don't want to have to think about you know our uh, doing every day on that podium. No, well, no, she's um, not
1: living in my head rent Telling us, the...
0: telling us we can't go and swim at the beach anymore, and having the police, having yeah. the police walking along the beach and trying to pull you out of the water, sort of thing. You know, don't, um, talk don't talk
1: to your neighbour. Don't that, talk that, to your neighbour.
0: That's right. Don't talk to your neighbour. And then you know, remember the TV and Z journalists who were driving around spotting the. Um, the workers, the construction workers on the scaffolding, they're yeah. wearing a mask.
1: Oh, it brings and, out the worst in everyone, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: it's, it's so. Anyway, it, it's the chickens are coming home to roost now. And here's, I'll just read you an interesting excerpt from uh, a newspaper uh, in uh, in Queensland, which covered this case. Um, Daniel Shepherd received two COVID nineteen vaccinations when he was a youth worker at Baptist Care south australia in 2021 and suffered adverse uh, reactions um he was told in october 19 2021 um sorry in january 28 2022 that he had to get a booster shop and booster shot in order to keep his job as a child and youth worker okay so mr shepherd daniel shepherd 44 was then given a Pfizer mRNA booster jab on February the 24th, 2022. Uh, In order to keep his job, he was forced to take this. But a day later, he suffered serious chest pains. The pain Mm. kept getting worse until March 11th. He thought he was having a heart attack. He was rushed to Adelaide Ashford Hospital. There he was diagnosed with post-vaccine pericarditis uh, An inflammation of the membrane around the heart. Yep. And the Ill- illness meant that, you know, he was only able to work for a few months um, after that in a part-time administrative capacity.
1: So so the thing they're trying to save um, himself from in his job ended up preventing him from working now. Yeah,
0: that, that, that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that look. That's um, maybe we should try and move on to more, yeah, uh, you yeah, know, uh, yeah. in- enjoyable topics. I suppose. No, but uh, it's
1: actually it's good to see that um, that these these cases and uh, the, these decisions are coming out. It's just a pity. How slow is it, eh? Justice compared to what what happens in the moment. It, it, it's it's like a complete tortoise compared to you know um, how fast things move in a. Nefarious way, let's say.
0: Yeah, not only that. I mean, you know, th- this 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 case and the applications here by the um, by the plaintiffs um, or the applicants here um, was only, uh, as I can as I can understand it, was only seeking a declaration that the mandates were unlawful, which is the same remedy that we've been seeking here yep. for a lot of the mandates here. Just a declaration from the court, please declare. That these mandates were unlawful and outside the scope of of you know, the powers of parliament to issue them and whatever, uh, and 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 they've been granted. Now, that's three years after the event or, you know, two or three, some instances longer after the event, and they've got that declaration. I guess the issue from now is, is how, how do we as a country, uh, in, in a legal sense, I suppose, in a parliamentary sense, how do we learn from that so that <laughs> yeah. oh, this never happens again? okay, because we've got the declaration, that's fine, you know, these people aren't going to get I mean, John, Chris Luxon during the during the campaign uh, emphatically in one of the debates, ruled out anyone getting any compensation. Well, why
1: for, Why would you do that?
0: Oh, I, I think legally he probably had to. Um, I think legally, I mean the problem we have in this country with that sort of
1: um, Yeah, but he could have answered in a different way, maybe it was a clumsy answer, he could have said look, um, you know, the information is what's required here, I can't give you an answer on that um, you know, um we need to know more, and uh, I sympathise with anyone who's not feeling good or something. But he he didn't do it like that. It was like, nah, sorry, Uh, nah.
0: Correct. With with, with, Look, as I say, with with essentially the contempt that the politicians at the time treated the country with and the citizens with, and, um, you know, he he probably had to legally, couldn't really, you know, um, offer any kind of um, concession or anything like that uh, but New Zealand, of course, we, and unlike Australia doesn't have this, we have ACC. And so sadly, you know, we you can't go and sue um, these parties for hundreds of millions or billions of dollars like you can in America. Uh, you yeah. have to sit back and, and get your, your weekly check from ACC who says, "Oh, we're very sorry about your injury. And they write you a letter and say, very sorry you heard we were injured. Here's some money for you each week. Yeah, uh, and, and, and you know, it's, uh, it's, it's pitiful, but it's the way it is. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, he even could have said, look, I don't know. I, I, I can't really answer that. It's a complicated question, and um, I would be doing everyone a disservice with a random answer. There's so many ways of sounding a lot nicer. Anyway, just saying. Yeah. All right. Um, interesting. All right. On to this. I know nothing about this, so I'm going to be interested to hear a bit of detail on this Bitcoin trial. He is prick up because we talk about currency and CD, um, you know, central bank just. Dis- District currency, I was going to say, digital currency and other matters. So we're always tuned into financial stories. So, what's this Copa versus Wright Bitcoin trial in London all about?
0: Yeah. So, this look, this has, might have escaped uh, a lot of people's attention, but it hasn't escaped um, those of us who kind of delve into the deep depths of, you know, mysterious things like who might have invented Bitcoin. and Aussie guy, wasn't it? Well, that's what he, that's what he's saying. Well, the inventor of Bitcoin was a, uh, a an anonymous or a pseudon, pseudonym pseudonym, oh, whatever, whatever that word is, like Thomas Pse- pseudonymous pseudonymous. Yeah, Goodness, yeah, yeah. Uh, author, uh, a guy called Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, so, so, Satoshi Nakamoto. Was the person who invented Bitcoin, uh, which is just a basically Bitcoin is just a, a whole bunch of numbers put together to form a blockchain, yep. as we know. So um, he invented it, but of course that's just a pseudonym for somebody else. And yeah. Bernie and- lived in it- Japan. Well, yeah, that's somebody else is a man uh, apparently called uh, Craig Wright. And Craig Wright is an Australian. Ah,
1: he's the right bit. Okay.
0: Yeah, he, yeah, he's an Australian computer scientist. And an outfit called uh, the Crypto Open Patent Alliance. And I think the third... The third word of that uh, grouping there is probably important, uh, patent. <laughs> so the yeah. Crypto Open Patent Alliance is seeking a declaration uh, in, in in a court in London that Craig Wright is not the inventor of Bitcoin. Uh, and now Craig Wright has, has said uh, from about 2016 onwards that he, in fact, is Satoshi Nakamoto. Okay, he's got he had some links to Japan, he lived there, he liked Japanese culture and whatever, whatever, invented a name and through his uh through his skills as a computer scientist invented Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, and this, this outfit here, the Copa, the uh Crypto Open Patent Alliance, the second ah. declaration in the court that he is not the inventor of Bitcoin. I was thinking and, the and, Copa and he,
1: Gabbana. Sorry. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. He's not. Yeah. He, he, not only he's not the inventor, he's not Satoshi Nakamoto. Ah, okay. okay. So um, now it's, um, it's it's important because, as I say, this outfit here, and I, I don't know much about them, the Crypto Open Patent Alliance. Uh, if they can claim that, in fact, he's not the inventor of Bitcoin, he's not Satoshi Nakamoto. They can say that uh, they are. Or they could they could say that one of the they members. Can, they can patent it now. Okay. All oh,
1: right. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know they can patent it because no one else owns it. So like, they just you know, swoop
1: in and they, boom
0: swoop in and boom and you know this is where it starts to get interesting because uh, then they they patent Bitcoin the invention Bitcoin and and own that patent so I, I don't know whether that's what they intend to do long term uh, I I'm just um you know that this trial has been going on in London since early February, uh, about four, three, about four weeks now. It's due to have a uh, due to have a decision, uh, or the trial is due to conclude very shortly, and a decision will be issued in due course. Um, and there's been some interesting. I've tried to follow bits of it. Um, there's a very good, a very good uh, Twitter uh, account. Handle a, a person who's been basically—he's um, not—he's not been uh, live streaming it. Although I will come to that in a minute. He's been live reporting on the case every day and providing uh, updates on the case every day. So, you've yeah. yeah, been following a bit on that on, on X or Twitter, whatever you call it these days. Uh, and interestingly enough, the other thing about this particular case is—is um, is you were able. This is uh, before this before the trial started. Um, one of the parties, I'm not sure which one it was, sought a declaration from the court that the trial could be broadcast through live video feed okay. and for the world because it was so important, and the, yeah. the judge agreed that it could. And so you were able to write, and I wrote, and I did this, I wrote into the court, I had all the details, and you had to give your full name, your date of birth, where you live. And, oh, you and got a link, did you? You got a link, and I could sit back at home here at 11 o'clock at Night, if I wanted to, 11.30, 30, um, because it's you know, we're 12 hours behind there in London, and you could follow the court uh, trial uh, minute by minute, day by day, if you wanted to, through the live video. Oh, what was
1: there. that like? Was that a good watch when
0: you uh, dropped yeah, in? Well, I have to be honest and say I never did it because, um, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, because I, I I figured out that I have to start watching at 11 at night, yeah, and like
1: that, staying up for the rugby or
0: something, yeah, they, like yeah okay, thing, but but that but uh,
1: it, it, they kind of could replace you know, you know, the, the dramatized. Court um
0: yeah i just thought really, it was yeah it was it was i had a, i had a couple of friends who had followed this uh, and they, they, I've got one good friend in Australia and they're, you know, three hours behind us. So he can start at 8.30, yep. uh, Much easier for him to follow it. Uh, but anyway, that, that's going on at the moment in, in the court in, in London. Uh, it's due to be, it's due to be the trial's due to end in a, in a, maybe a week or so's time. Then there will be a decision and then uh, we'll go from there and we'll find out, you know, whether this Mr. Wright indeed is Natoshi Sakamoto uh, or Satoshi Nakamoto, I should say, and, um, and whether he indeed is, is the inventor of Bitcoin.
1: Who did, who did um, Sukiyaki? He had a name similar to that. Um, oh, um, surely it'll come to me. Um, uh, Yakamoto, somebody. Um, surely he should be able to, to prove, have the evidence to show that he invented this. If he's a computer, you know, um, magician, he'll have yeah. the whole digital trail, you'd think.
0: Very good. Very good point, because that is exactly what this COPA outfit argued at the very start that they said at the start that uh, his claim, Mr. Wright's claim, was a quote, brazen lie and elaborate false narrative supported by forgery on an industrial scale. And okay. interestingly, Copa here is backed is backed by Twitter founder Jack Dorsey, who's also oh, okay. joined who's also joined the proceedings. Uh, now just coming into what you've just um the point you've just made. Uh, he, the, the claim by this Copa outfit is that Satoshi or Wright um, proffered false or forged documents. And when he was asked when he was asked to come up with the uh, private key to um, the secure code private key, you know that that um, would produce Bitcoin, yep. uh, a hex, hexadecimal string of numbers and letters Ooh, okay. that would unlock access to the 1.1 million original Bitcoins mined by Mr. Nakamoto, which are now worth an estimated 47 billion dollars. Whoa! Uh, he couldn't do it. Oh, okay, yeah. He couldn't do it. Uh, he, well, he failed to produce the private keys anyway. but So okay. Okay. so we'll see what happens. Um, that's just uh, sitting out there. And, you know, we'll, we might go into a bit more detail on that uh, in, in in the coming weeks or months.
1: Hugh Sakamoto sang sukiyaki,
0: by the way. Oh. Um, um, and, <laughs> and Imperative and, information, I'm glad. Yeah, that oh, was. yeah.
1: In fact, um, this is so going off the, the reservation here, but he was killed. He was a passenger in that Japan Airlines plane that crashed in Japan into the mountain, which was the worst, is, it is the worst single air crash in the history oh. of the oh. world. And he was, uh, he was, uh, anyway. Mm. Okay. So um, I've seen this sort of story before in New Zealand, I think, and we're talking here about um, a Western Australian man facing jail time, apparently under cultural heritage laws for disrupting the Rainbow Serpent after building a bridge over a creek on his property. Didn't we have... A similar tanny case here, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, I
0: I, I I think we did, and I and I think we it was somewhere down um south of Auckland. Um where the between, power station is. What, yeah, it? Huntley, Huntley, somewhere somewhere around there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um between the Bombays, I suppose, and um and Huntley or Narawahia, somewhere around there. We well, are yeah, certainly we're where, you know, many, many. Was it many, many? Oh, it could have been many, many. Yeah, I think where the local iwi claimed there was a, a taniwha living under a bridge and you couldn't disturb it. For the, It might have been where the new motorway now is. Yeah, actually, I think they're
1: going to build a, a, a bridge over a, a, a little waterway or something like that.
0: Yeah, and, and the spirits under there, the taniwha, was there. Uh, yeah, so I've driven down the motorway uh, many, many times on the way to Hamilton for work and bits and pieces. I've never seen the taniwha, but, you know, uh, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for it and I'll report yeah, back It's on interesting,
1: it. though, that different cultures that are apparently completely separated and I'm thinking um, obviously this the Aussie case applies to Aboriginal culture um but uh, similar kind of constructs aren't they um uh, that always interests me that sort of synergy between disconnected cultures they come up with the same kind of ideas
0: yeah they, they do um look I mean I don't I, I don't want to um Treat these concepts flippantly or dismiss no, them as, as ridiculous, or anything like that. But 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 my point is here, and what, what this what the man has done. This man owns some land, yeah, and uh, on his land was two separate uh, lots of water, which um, you couldn't go between the two separate lots, which he needed to. So he built he built a uh, it's a bridge, but it's uh, it's a concrete walkway. that's only about. Twenty meters long between the two stretches of water on on his own land. Yeah, so he yeah. could um, you know uh, walk um, on his own land um, and do the things on his own land that, that he that he wanted to. Um, he, he's a, he's a real estate agent. His name is, is, is Tony Maddox. Um, but uh, in doing so, he's alleged to have breached. The Aboriginal Heritage Act of 1972, like um, yeah. because he allegedly disrupted uh, a rainbow serpent uh, after building a bridge. Uh, after building that bridge, so there was, you know, the Aborigines believe there's a, a, a rainbow serpent living in the water or near the water, and uh, you know, by he disturbed it by building that bridge, and that's, I mean, look, I mean, you can there's one, it's one thing to say, look, you've, you know, we, we've got this, um, this, this. Kind of belief, um, spiritual belief, uh, religious belief about these serpents living here or something, and we've had these for hundreds, if not thousands, a year. That that oh, I'm sorry, that, that, that's good, that's fine. Yeah. You can have those beliefs. It, it's another thing to say you now have have actually committed a criminal offence. Yeah, true. Yeah by by disrupting it. You know, well, first and, of all and,
1: you can't show unless you can feel it somehow I mean disrupt what
0: well that's that's exactly about, that's, that's the point I was about to make what have you disrupted uh, it's not a you know it's not an actual thing it's just a, a make-believe spiritual thing um, um though
1: some places do have a kind of energy to them and that might be how they explain that but I mean the the walkway may have benefited the rainbow serpent who knows just as much chance of that happening.
0: Well, the serpent could use the walkway to navigate him or herself or itself along the land. Who knows? But, yeah, yeah, uh, but this person, this Mister, this Mister Maddox, you know, had a two-day trial in in, uh, in Western Australia. Uh, if guilty of of disrupting and and affecting the serpent on his own land, uh, he faces up to nine months behind Bath and a fine or a fine of of twenty thousand um, dollars. They wouldn't it, do that, would they? They, they, wouldn't, do, they well, wouldn't. Well, well, I, well. I don't. I don't know. I mean, he, he says quite interestingly that. Um, the local Aboriginal elders had not complained to him about the creek crossing oh okay. yeah it's the it's the uh the government department the local um, oh here
1: we go the
0: local council go. the local council state Department of planning lands and heritage
1: they've all been uh, infiltrated eh with the with this woke um um culture by the sounds of things why what? What? that seems to be the same everywhere don't you think
0: it's getting that way it is getting that way
1: um, it, I mean, when the, when the Aboriginal elders are okay and they have a problem, I mean that should settle it.
0: Well, it's their spirit that's been just disturbed. I mean, the thing about this sort of stuff is that you know it's essentially a, a criminal act, and you, you, um, you know, if he has alleged to have committed a criminal act against uh, a person and caused some harm, that would be nat- naturally the Aboriginal people. Yeah. But they're not complaining; they don't care. You know, so, so there is so no is it, a,
1: victim. There's no victim. Is
0: well, it? that's that's my point. There's potentially no victim, um, and, and I suppose you know if you if you use a different analogy, if I assaulted you, punched you in the face. Well, I'm not going to do that, Paul. But you're a very nice face, face for radio, I must say. But if I did that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I did that, yeah, so. and you said, oh, "I'm not worried about that." Nick, no, don't worry. We, we've you know we go back a long time. But the, the the police jumped in and said we're still going to prosecute you, Nick. Yeah. And, and Paul said, "I'm I'm not going to appear as a witness. I don't care." Um, then the, then the prosecution's got a problem, you see, because they haven't really got a, a prime witness. Um, but the, but this, this 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 Mr. Maddox says here, um, uh, quoted in a newspaper article, that that even if I'm found guilty, there is nothing in the act that tells them they have the power to ask me to remove the bridge. Okay.
1: <laughs> Oh dear, clown world.
0: That's clown world, yeah. So uh, anyway, it's just a, look another, uh, you know, influx, I suppose, or uh, into, into um, you know private property rights. And, well, it's and, just uh, a way of
1: controlling people's private lives, isn't it, down to granular level. Uh, the thing they own. And,
0: it is, and, and look, I know we're on the radio, and we we can't show this, but if, if viewers were able to see this structure that uh, he had built, you 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 would laugh. It, it is, it is. Um, a, a couple, a very, a couple of very small um, banks, uh, retaining banks. They wouldn't even be half a meter uh, high, uh, and then in between them, the, the width of those two is probably about a meter and a half. And in between them, he has put, um, he's laid concrete over it, and the concrete looks like it, it goes for about uh, ten meters of that.
1: Oh dear, naughty yeah. boy. Okay,
0: so we're not talking. You know, we're not talking a massive. Huge structure here with these excavated thousands of cubic meters of land or anything yep. like that. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, where's the, it's, it's, where's the world coming to? Where's the world you going? Can just to imagine sort
1: of the stuff? officious, you know, local body person turning up with his clipboard and pen and
0: oh, loving it too, and right? And
1: taking, to, making notes and sort of yeah. looking very serious and, and sort of muttering under his breath.
0: And going home and that night and telling his his family what a wonderful day he'd had by picking on this poor property owner who'd built a bridge, had had the audacity to build a bridge on his own land. Yeah. You know, I mean, he must
1: Think of the rainbow serpent. I probably probably would never mention that.
0: Where where would he get the job satisfaction out of all that? But Um, um, Yeah. Where do
1: I sign up? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, Speaking of real estate, we are aware of Janet Dixon's story, which popped out a week, week and a half ago. And that is the real estate agent in Auckland, I think, with quite a history, quite a successful realtor is the impression I got. Doesn't need to kind of learn anything more about the business, let's say. Knows it all, seen it all. Facing a five-year ban for refusing Maori values course. Now, who's, remind us again, who's insisting on, on her taking this course?
0: Um... Just a, a quick uh, question first: Has Janet previously been on on the radio? Uh, reality check, I suppose not. Hasn't
1: been on with me. No. I don't no. think so yet. No. But um, no. watch this space.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, so the the body that regulates uh, real estate agents in New Zealand um, it's it's is briefly called the REAA or the Real Estate Agents Authority. So the REAA licenses or the agents if the agents have to apply to them every year for a license, say they've you know not been convicted of crime and they're good people and they should still sell real estate, etc. Pay a $1,000 or whatever, get their licence. If they, you know, do something wrong, the REAA, um, you know, um, punishes them and fines them or can take their licence off them in some circumstances if it's particularly egregious. Um, so the REAA is, is the licensing body for uh, real estate agents throughout New Zealand. And the REAA is entitled to um, ask the agents to undergo... Uh, 10 hours of compulsory professional development every year. So, in right. uh, in much the same as, you know, a lot of professional bodies have it. We have it as lawyers and no objection to it. Um, you know, you've got to show that you're upskilling yourself, keeping yourself current with all the, you know, stuff that's relevant to, um, well, in my instance, doing practicing law, but here selling real estate. And yep. every year, Every year lawyers have to give a declaration to say, yes, I've done my, my ten hour C P D and uh and real estate agents are the same, they've got to sign, yep, I've done my ten hours C P D. Uh, up until up until this um particular matter here, the C P D for uh, real estate agents obviously just involved or did just did involve um matters to do with, you know, contractual interpretation, writing contracts, um, I suppose, legal stuff in respect of of real estate um, and all sorts of other matters and sales and marketing, advertising and misrepresentations and stuff that, you know, you you expect an agent to have to keep on top of. Current rulings, current rulings from the REAA uh, tribunal or the complaints committee uh, around, you know, what should be disclosed to buyers and what agents, you know, should be uh, doing um, in, in terms of their work vis-à-vis vis- 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 uh, vendors or purchases that sort of thing. So uh, the word, I mean, the CPD is you know the first word is compulsory and the second two are professional development. Okay, so um, as I say, it, it's it's common. To, to law, a, a lot of professional bodies now have mandatory CPD every year. So that's no, fair
1: I'm, enough, and no one argues, really.
0: Nah, fair enough, exactly. No yeah. one argues, and it, it's, it's probably you know I can speak from a legal perspective. It's, it's actually quite valuable. We we had a, a one hour, half an hour training session today at lunch uh, on on a legal topic, and it, it allows for you know twenty five people in the firm or thirty to sit. And just hear half nab at the latest case on something. So you so you're upskilled and you know yeah. you know, if a client ever asks you about that particular issue, oh yeah, actually I learned about that last week. I know I know now what the law is. I can advise you on it, right? Yeah. Um but so so what, what happens what, so what's happened here is the REAA, um I think about a year ago, uh, as part of the ten hours C P D that agents have to do to keep their license mm-hmm. and that, that's that's important. If you don't do the 10-hour CPD, you cannot sell real estate, okay? That simple. Uh, license is taken away from them. They included they included one and a half hours of that 10 um, as uh, Te Tiriti, uh, Te Reo, and Tao Māori um, issues to do with you know uh, the Maori worldview on uh, on, on real estate and, and Maori culture, Treaty of Waitangi, what the Treaty of Waitangi is, all that sort of stuff, right? So... Um, now so not the the REAA did not add to the ten hours of CPD by making it eleven and a half and including the stuff.
1: Oh, they it, aged into other stuff.
0: They took yeah, they took one and a half hours off um proper, you know, if you want to call it, as we would call it, proper upskilling of agents in, in that in that area and yeah. replaced it with um a, a multicultural training uh, treaty of Waitangi uh, and and that sort of stuff. Um now, I, you know, I do quite a bit of work with real estate agents, and I was speaking with with them about this at the time, and I was urging a couple of branches to to take up the uh, the fight against the REAA and take it to court, and they were a little bit scared to do so. They just didn't want to rock the boat, etc. get on with their business, and, you know, whatever, whatever. But they certainly made the comment that, to me, the ones I spoke with, completely irrelevant, Uh, And and the the, the thing that they found most egregious and upsetting was of the fact that um, they had taken one and a half hours off valid uh, legal training and valid upskilling and training for agents and replaced it with, you know, Basically, cultural Marxism, if you want to call it that. Yeah. You know, le- learn about the trade. You learn about uh, teo of the worldview and... Uh, now, you know, I've I- I read some comments on social media and-, and elsewhere that, oh, shouldn't a real estate agent know about teo Māori worldview in terms of property? Well, firstly... Um, you know, from the Maori from the people I speak with, there is no one Maori w- worldview, okay, because yeah. uh, each iwi, each hapu, each individual Maori person has their own spiritual worldview and their own worldview of of the Teo Maori and, uh, and Tikanga principle. So there's no one uh, uh, Teo Maori worldview. But secondly, um, secondly there, there's, you know, a, a little bit of, a little bit of uh, land owned, uh, of course, by by Maori, um through the Maori Land Court, and they have their own Maori Mary freehold title. If you were selling that land, you might want to know a little bit about this stuff. But uh,
1: you'd research it anyway, wouldn't
0: you? Y- you would, yeah. That's yeah. that. Well, that that's right. You wouldn't, uh, if you were going to get a listing as an agent of, of land of that type, you would absolutely have to go and consider. Yeah. Um you know, what that particular uh, cultural um, view was. I think you'd be mad not to. But the critical point in all of this, as I come back to um, the the words or the letters C-P-D, compulsory professional development, is if you want to go and do that, then then fill your boots and go and do it. The the REAA made it compulsory for every single agent in the country, including... Colley is selling commercial real estate and CBD and leasing and leasing commercial real estate and CBD you know buildings um to you know subway and McDonald's some commercial buildings leasing Etc they had to know this stuff so it, it is completely unrelated so uh, it has got nothing to do with uh, the way that a real estate agent uh, uh, conducts their work but so good old Janet good good on good on Janet Dixon uh, she she took. She's a real estate agent uh, with a Harcourt's branch, I think, down in the South Island. Uh, and she said, "I'm not doing this." Um, at the Harcourt's branch said, "Sorry, you have to, Janet. If you don't, you can't have your license. You can't work with us." And it looks like she said, "Tough. I, I, I won't do it. Uh, it's not necessary for my upskilling, for my CPD." So she's taking the REAA to court and seeking judicial review of the decision to make it compulsory.
1: Um, I, might, I might have said she was an Auckland realtor, so from the South Island.
0: Um, uh, potentially, not. yeah. Doesn't yeah, really matter. Yeah. A, a, anyway,
1: um, two things come out of what you just said. The fact that they um, overrode an hour and a half of that 10 hours with this and, and kicked out whatever else might have fitted in to that hour and a half, and that's over 10% of the time, right? So or, yeah. Yeah, w- well over. And didn't lengthen that time means they weren't thinking about the information they were trying to impart. That wasn't important because they were able to throw a certain amount that would have been included in that time under a bus. That might have been the most crucial information in that hour, 10 hours, who knows? But the other thing is, as well, how this body, I would have thought real estate was a conservative business-related kind of environment traditionally to work in, yet here they are with this sort of, dumb woke policy roping in people like you say doing cbd um uh real estate for you know fast food outlets and shops and etc nothing close to it what the hell is going on here do you think I, I mean it's another example of this how did they get to this you know i know you yeah. don't know but you might have a view
0: um it's and, it's and now they're making
1: a fool of themselves. They're making well, fools well of
0: they, themselves. what they've done the REAA, is they've now backtracked and they've taken they've taken it away from being compulsory and they said it's Oh, volu- didn't realize it, okay. they've, they've said it's voluntary. Yeah, only only very recently, only in the last couple of months. Phew. yeah. So they've now said it's not compulsory; it's just voluntary. And but but you know the back down. Uh, it surely, should send a signal that it probably was the wrong thing to do in the first place, and you'd want to fire um,
1: that person, wouldn't you? I mean, <laughs> well,
0: with well, this stuff, this stuff, um, all of this stuff, of course, uh, Paul, it's led from the top, right? And so, the REAA will be getting instructions from uh, the, the relevant minister. I'm not sure it would be the Land Information Minister or, or the Minister for maybe NBIE or somewhere like that. It's the, the sure last who. government, right? Yeah, correct. Yes, yes, and, and um, so it 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 filters down from the top, uh, and, and it's not just. And I know it's not just. Um, I know it filters down from the top because um, my organisation, my profession, law has has fighting this very issue at the moment itself as well, and I think. In one of our very first shows, uh, going back a year or so, uh, we discussed actually the changes to lawyers' uh, rules that was p- going to potentially bring in um, uh, cultural awareness um, and having to uh, and a lawyer a lawyer's fundamental what they wanted to do that changed the, the 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 lawyers and conveyances Act, which is the legislation we operate under, to say that a fundamental duty of a lawyer is to honour the Treaty of Waitangi.
1: Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah.
0: So you know, it, it,
1: so where's that at? By the way, whatever. Uh, happened,
0: you, you, you well, know, that, that hasn't that hasn't um, seen the light of day because of the change of government, really. Uh, and I don't, I don't think this current government uh, is really going to take any interest in that stuff at all.
1: Well, they've they've talked. Um, uh, you know, they're pushing back against that pretty well.
0: Yeah. Well, look. I mean, so interestingly, if we just go on that topic, I don't think so that. I don't think there'll be an appetite with this government to change the lawyers and Conveyances act um uh you know of that nature because they've got far more things to to, to be worried about I think and uh, quite rightfully uh, uh, yeah 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 exactly and but more importantly what I think if that's the case then it may well um it may well turn out that the uh, the law society itself might look for another way to try and sneak it in because they're quite keen on it
1: Oh why?
0: Um, Who's been bitten by the bug? Uh, well, the, the Law Society operates um, in Wellington, Paul, and right in the CBD of uh, Wellington, about gotcha, five gotcha. minutes from Parliament. You know, so I think uh, I know where their offices actually. Yeah. 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 So look, I mean, um, it's it, as I say, it's it's an it's a culture that's endemic now in a lot of government professional organisations and. Um, it, as I, I used, to, I coined the phrase at the outset: cultural Marxism, and it, it's kind yep. of that. It, it's, I mean, you know, from a, I know this is a legal uh, station or legal show, but, I, you know, the the, the um, analogy I like to make with people is this: that since 1840, uh, mouldy have claimed, and I think uh, in a lot of instances, rightly that um uh, european settlers and uh, colonial, you know, settlers and colonialism and white people have trashed their culture and and have forced uh, a white European um, culture on them, taking their language away, uh, etc. And, and I think there's genuine grounds for actually making that argument, to be honest. And and there was, you know, after the treaty was signed, there was legislation put in place which prohibited the speaking of Maori in schools. And if you were a Maori kid in a school in 1860 something, you were kicked out of school until you stopped speaking Maori and spoke English, etc. So it wasn't pretty, uh, and they have complained. You know, since then that that's breached of treaty, Waitangi, and you know you've you've actually um, embedded your white European culture onto us without our consent. Well, this is exactly now what they're trying to do here, and so two wrongs don't make a right. And if it was wrong in the first place, which I believe it actually was, it's wrong now to do this. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, yeah. It, it, for me, it's that simple. Anybody, anybody, from my perspective, anybody who wants to learn about a culture or a language uh, and and how it all operates, I just encourage it. I think it's a wonderful, enlightening thing to do. I think it's very enriching. Um, yeah. And but you got to
1: want to do it, right? You've so got to want to do it.
0: Exactly. It's got to be a free choice and not be compulsory.
1: Otherwise, you'll instantly, naturally push back anyway. It doesn't get anyone anywhere, perhaps. All right, let's wind okay. up on... Yeah. On this job description for Aussie judges and um, um, another, well, we alluded to it at the start, but another example of the these tentacles weaving through every institution, every profession. So tell us ab- about what you need to have on your CV, let's say, if you want to be an Aussie judge now.
0: Yes, I got this out of a uh, a legal publication that comes into our inbox every week. It's just, you know, uh, lawyers' newsletter. It's only about six or seven or eight pages, not a big one. But this one here was uh, a little um, snippet taken from a a book in Australia that's now been um, published that lists the relevant, I suppose, attributes for people in Australia or lawyers in Australia uh, wanting to be a judge. Uh, and um, and it basically here's what it says from a report that was written over there. Cultural awareness, diversity, and the ability to manage one's emotions are elements of an updated job description for judges across the ditch. The Australian reports that a new handbook released by the Australasian Institute of Judicial Appointments also states that, and there's a killer, traditional views on merit as a criterion uh, of being a judge are being reassessed. It's the first time in nearly 10 years that, I think it's 10 years, uh, yeah, that, or a long time anyway, that the handbook uh, handbook and uh, judicial appointment criteria have been revamped, and they include an exhaustive list of desired qualities of a judge, including the requirement that judges should, quote, avoid displays of sarcasm, harshness, anger, rudeness, or hostility, and that good judging requires... A high level of cultural awareness, and that having a diverse judiciary who is that is culturally aware is important for both reducing the risk, uh, sorry, of bias or ill-informed judgments and boosting public faith. Boosting public faith in the judicial system, Paul.
1: Oh dear, where to start on that? Well, first of all, um, manage one's emotions. Is that is that a problem? For judges, is it managing emotions? Because that that's
0: uh, uh, well, I, I I don't think look, sarcasm. Maybe sarcasm, you, you know. But but look, we're, everybody. Well, judges are human beings, you know, like everybody else. And human beings are fallible creatures, and and, and, yeah. and they quite often, you know, we do and say things we regret and we shouldn't have said. And we apologise for, and we some of us, you know. Uh, it, it, you know, have acerbic tongues and we react quickly to things and particularly in, in a legal sphere in a, in a courtroom, uh, in a judge where tensions are often high in, in the criminal courts as well where people's liberties and lives are at stake and the judges often hear absolutely horrific and gruesome yeah. Yeah. things that have been you know, done to victims of crime by offenders who are being sentenced um, and we expect that these judges, or um, well, Australia expects that these judges are to be free from emotion.
1: Yeah, that's um, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I can I can imagine that you know sort of like inappropriate uh, racial outbursts um, would not be, you know, that that would not be. Those are bad emotions. Yeah, I mean,
0: we've had had a few instances, I know, in New Zealand where, you know, I remember one down in Christchurch a little while back where you get the odd keen court reporter who sits in on some um, sentencing or something and and just grabs a snippet of a judge's comment, um, usually taken out of context. Yeah, usually. Yeah. You know, puts it into a newspaper and we all go, oh, surely it doesn't yes, say that. Okay. But when yes, you yes. read the whole thing, you kind of think, oh, boof, there's nothing wrong with that at all. When, when you read the context of the previous five lines and the next five lines, you know. And, and, and you know, there are some judges who even, you know, I mean, I used to be, look, I used to be in um in the courts in North Shore in the early to mid-90s and there was a great criminal um, criminal um, judge there called Judge Bruce Buckton. And Judge Bruce Buckton was... Uh, actually Paul Holmes is a doppelganger. Uh he oh, looked okay. yeah. he looked identical to Paul Holmes. Well. Uh glasses, curly black hair. Now Bruce Buckton did not suffer falls uh for anybody, not police nor defense counsel. Um, if you were in the dock and you said something, you know, rude to him or the court, you were in the cells and you were in remand immediately. Wow. He took he okay. took no prisoners. He took no prisoners, but he was a very organized and very disciplined judge. His courtroom ran like a well-oiled machine, but he had a huge amount of respect as well, uh, Bruce Buckton. With, um, with gang members and with uh, criminals who were serving time in Purimurima because he used to go and visit them and serve on the parole board up there. Wow. And those and those who he sentenced to, you know, a, a, a five years up in Purimurima or whatever, um, you know, he'd be then going up there to try and uh, sit on their parole application and he would talk to them. And, then, and he got to be quite a popular figure around the North Shore uh, at the time, Bruce Buckton, but he had a very uh, sharp wit, uh, he, he he was not, you know, very assertive, very sharp. And um, it's just his nature. And I don't think we, as a judge, that sort of uh, human element, I think it's mandatory. It must come out. We can't have.
1: Well, it must have commanded respect if the gang members yep. respected him. It's funny how people can pick up. You know, even if they're on the wrong side of that person, they can pick up uh, on these things.
0: Yeah, and uh, you're 100% right. He, he did command, he absolutely commanded respect. Uh, and, and to think that, you know, we've, I just can't believe that they would say that having a diverse judiciary um, would boost public faith in the judicial system. I mean, for you, Paul, what, you know, what would boost your faith in the judicial system? Just thinking, forgetting that quote, put that quote to one side. What do you think would, would boost uh, your faith in the judicial system in terms of judges?
1: I can't think of anything. I have no ex- re- real experience of it. Uh, it hasn't touched me. I would want um, the obvious common sense attributes and the wisdom and insight that comes from, presumably you, you get to that level you've seen a lot, as you mentioned before. So I would be relying on that. I would just assume that was there. At the um, higher level of that, um, the improvement would be to admit they could have they could have been uh, more supporting of of, of people's rights
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I at a
1: mean, particular time. Uh, sure. but that's that's top level, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah, out of yeah, courtrooms.
0: Yeah. You really want, I think, you know, if you're going to be appointed to a high a high court in New Zealand, especially Court of Appeal from there and what have you, you've got to be absolutely on the button with the law. You've got to be, yeah. you know, very, very sharp with the law, uh, have a very clear mind, course, give, course, give good yeah. decisions and what have you. And the fact that, you know, that um, you can't do that uh, unless, you know, you've got some sort of diversity element to you is just... So it's it's errant nonsense, uh, and um, you know I, I remember going back. Uh, my you know my daughter has just graduated from law school and she got her first job. And about oh, about a year ago, we were looking at um, you know um, her applying for jobs around the country, and she she looked at a um, position for uh, in, in the Crown Law Office in, in Wellington, and uh, as a, as a Crown Prosecutor in Wellington. Um well I found the advert for her, I think, actually. And the I never forget this, the job description for a junior crown prosecutor in Wellington uh did not uh include anything to do with being a good lawyer or having good grades. Oh, jeez. Yeah. You know, the first the first the first bullet point in the job application was uh you must adhere to the principles of digitality te te Waitangi.
1: I just can't believe that um the you know the the really obvious stuff is which is crucial to the whole point of of it all is just so easily sort of thrown away or
0: well, I mean, I you know, yeah, and I have no um objection. I think it's actually important that we you know with the crowns interactions with. Uh, with Māori and and, and Māori offenders, you probably should have a reasonable understanding of of treaty principles, tikanga, and, and whatever. Uh, it, it's probably necessary at, at in that position as a public as a public lawyer uh, working for the the state or the crown. Um, but it was the first bullet point, and it was and, and the other attributes about you know. I'm I just saying, you know, to to people I was talking uh, about it with that, um, I would want a, a crown lawyer to be. Uh, you know, putting people um, in jail for as long as possible and and knowing the Sentencing Act, knowing the Evidence Act, you know, knowing the common law position around evidence and all all the other elements of the offence that they were charging people with to try and get a prosecution because that's the fundamental thing you're meant to be doing, isn't it? Um, But no, no, you know, this is... um, It it didn't mention those um, (laughs) at all.
1: (laughs) Oh, just... just quietly forgot about those. Mm. All right. Um, again, a fascinating program, um, this week's Legal Hub. Thank you, Nick, for coming on this week. Plenty to um, to uh, think about there. And if people missed any of it, of course, um, from later on today, you can listen to the replays and, and go back to uh, those those things. And it, it's good to know that if we want to be a, a judge in Australia, I could probably fake it and get in on those things now that I know. Fake it until you make it, Paul. Well that's right. All I have to yeah. do is, is show um uh, control of my emotions. No sarcasm. I can do that. Maybe um it might creep in every now and then.
0: I, I think I think you'd be an absolute shoein' if you identified as Paula.
1: And okay. Thanks
0: for the heads up. Paula Brenner. <laughs> Paula Brennan. There we go.
1: Yeah. I look good in um one of those gowns, I think. Um, All right. Okay. Nick Kearney for our Legal Hub this week. Thanks for coming on, Nick, and we'll talk again soon.
0: Thanks, Paul. Have a good day. See you. Bye-bye.
1: If Reality Check Radio enriches your day in life, support us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives, and the dose of reality you won't get anywhere else. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate.